Okay, well, uh, go ahead and open your Bibles uh, to 1 Kings chapter uh, 19, and we're going to be in verses 5 through 8 this morning. Um, open your Bibles. If you don't have one, should be one right in front of you in the chair, and it's on uh, page 382 of uh, that Bible there. So this morning, we're going to uh, continue our look at a prophet who is worn out and discouraged. Most of us are familiar with the story of Elijah. Um, quick recap for those that, that don't remember, God chooses a previously unknown man out of, out of nowhere to confront Ahab, uh, the king of Israel. King Ahab and his, his queen Jezebel had, had led the people into idolatrous worship of the pagan god Baal. Um, God uses Elijah to confront Ahab and and uh, tell him that God's judgment was coming, and drought was coming upon the land. God miraculously provided for Elijah for, for over the course of the three years of the drought. Then Elijah returns, and he calls the people to make a choice between God or Baal. He challenges the prophets of Baal and, uh, to a contest in Mount Carmel, and the Lord reveals himself in a dramatic way uh, by sending fire from heaven and consumes Elijah's sacrifice. Then God answers Elijah's prayer, uh, his powerful prayer, an example of, of, of powerful prayer, James tells us, and, um, and God sends the rain that he had promised. It's an amazing story of, a, of an ordinary man being used by God in a profound way. And yet, Elijah's story is an example of what can happen to even the most faithful, even after they experience great victories, disappointment, and discouragement. In him we see the things that can cause it. In our last message, we were forced to leave Elijah in the, in the depths of despair. We lost, last saw him sitting under that broom tree, asking God to take his life. Mighty prophet of God is, is discouraged and depressed. He had just been used mightily by the Lord, and he had, he had expected great revival to come to the land. In, in his mind, the, the people of Israel would obviously repent re, and turn back to God. He thought surely Ahab and Jezebel would, would lead the people in this. But this didn't happen. Instead, uh, the, the wicked queen Jezebel threatened his life. He, she said, you're as good as dead, Elijah. And so he reacted with fear. He ran away from his position, his problem, and his people. He felt as though he and his ministry were a complete failure. He ran all the way to the southern border of Judah, left his servant, and, and, then, and then went another day's journey and sat despondently under that broom tree. He gave up and he asked the Lord to take his life. Over the last couple of weeks, we, we looked at some of the things that led to Elijah becoming so discouraged and so depressed. First, we talked, you know, he, he faced real threats. He had valid concerns. Queen Jezebel said she was going to kill him. And she had the authority and the means to do that. But instead of taking those concerns, those real concerns to the Lord, he, he let them take him. Instead of controlling his, his emotions, he allowed them to do the controlling. He was physically and emotionally exhausted. He had a long day on, on Mount Carmel confronting King Ahab and the people and, and the prophets of Baal. 
He had run over 20 miles, miles to Jezreel. He was physically and emotionally drained. And that can cause you to make some really irrational decisions. He had some unrealistic expectations. He had experienced some unexpected results. His trust had begun to, to, to lean on what he expected God to do, what those results would or should be. When God didn't operate according to Elijah's wisdom, Elijah was, was unprepared and he was shaken. This led him to lose focus, wallow in self-pity took his eyes off the Lord, and he put it on himself and his problems. While Elijah is a perfect picture of one who is depressed, he's also a portrait of a man who is guilty of sin. He was not only uh, full of self-pity, but he was also a bit full of himself too. Verse 4 revealed the truth of that. He says, I guess I'm no better than my father's. This is a problem that we're all encouraged to avoid from Romans 12, 3. It says that we're not to think more highly of, of yourselves than you should. We need to constantly remind ourselves of what James 5, 17 tells us about Elijah. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Because of that, we can identify with the very same struggles that he had. I mean, we can also benefit from the very same things to combat the thinking and this that leads to this kind of discouragement and depression. We looked last week at, at some of those things that we can do to help prevent this. Taking our, our real legitimate fears to the, to the Lord, not allowing them to control us. Getting the physical and the emotional rest and, and support that we need. The Lord gave us the Sabbath and each other for a reason. Our faith and expectations must be grounded in our, in our confidence in God to do whatever He decides to do, even if it's not what we expect. We must not take our eyes off of Jesus or the gospel message that saved us and that will save others, that we have a responsibility to share with the world. Now, certainly God's perfect will for Elijah would have been for him to have stood up against Jezebel, to have led the country in renewed devotion to the Lord. Of course, we all know that this isn't what happened. Yet when we see how God deals with this fallen man of God, it can show us something very helpful and, and hopeful. The steps God takes in the lives of those that he restores to usefulness and power. So let's join our, our friend Elijah under that broom tree and see the steps God takes to restore him to a place of service. We've seen how the mighty have fallen Today, let's see how the fallen are restored. The medicine the Lord uses to heal those that find themselves the same place as we find Elijah. So let's read our passage for this morning. 1 Kings 19, verses 5 through 8. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. After Elijah's display of self-pity, one might think the Lord would just write him off as a, as a lost cause. But thankfully, the Lord doesn't operate that way. Men often do. We think of Paul, 
those that have been coming on Wednesday nights as we've been going through the study of Acts, Paul refused to take Mark on his second missionary journey, right? Because he, had, he was disappointed with him. You know, you failed, and, and I'm not even going to mess with you anymore. And, and that led to Paul and Barnabas separating ways. That's what men do, but not the Lord. God knew, knew what Elijah needed. God knew that Elijah needed some things straightened out in his life. So the Lord performed a ministry of healing on behalf of the prophet. Notice the cure, the, the same wonderful cure that God uses for us. God, God's answer perfectly addresses the makeup of man. He, he addresses the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual. Here we discover in God's grace, when he, when he moves to meet our need, he, he always meets the whole man. He meets all of our needs. He doesn't leave anything undone, anything untouched. So this morning we're going to look at the physical and the emotional. First, let's look at the physical. And we see that in verses 5 and 6. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And the angel of the Lord said, Arise and eat. The first step in God's program of healing for Elijah is to feed him and to put him to bed. This was the mercy of God extended to Elijah. Physically speaking, he needed rest and replenishment. God gave him rest under this tree and provided food for his body. God first ministered to Elijah's physical needs. I love that, how, how practical that is. Now, all of us, you know, we, we, we think of this story and we immediately want to, to jump ahead, don't we? I know we all were like hope waiting. But God first ministered to Elijah's physical needs. So practical. It's not always his order, but physical needs are important. Elijah needed rest. He needed a good meal. He needed a good night's sleep. Sometimes the most spiritual thing a person can do is to get enough food and rest. Half of Elijah's problems is he was suffering from, from physical exhaustion. We touched on that a couple weeks ago. God knew Elijah had expended all his physical energy, and he was worn out. What Elijah needed was a, a break. God knew that, and the first thing the Lord did was let Elijah get some sleep. Twice the angel of the Lord awoke Elijah so he could give him something to eat, and then he, then he let him go back to sleep. The Lord knew that a rested servant is a healthy servant. Elijah was run down. He needed time to rest. and The Lord provided it for him. This was not the time for discussion. That time would come later. That time will come. But right now, right now, it's a time for rest. What wisdom. Sometimes the thing that we need most is some time off. When we're burning the candle at both ends, we'll get worn out. And the more depleted we become, the easier it is to lose perspective, to lose our focus. You, you and I should never be guilty of laziness, but we should get the rest that our bodies need. We will accomplish more for God when we are rested than we will if we are physically exhausted. Remember, even Jesus took time to rest and eat. I mentioned last week in, in Mark 6.31 when he told the disciples, come, let's, 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 let's pull back. Let's go away someplace quiet. We don't, we don't even have time to eat right now. 
Even the Lord knew he needed time to rest and to eat. Now, there are some forms of depression where all you want to do is to sleep, but, but there's, a, there's a time to get up from that. But right now, notice the sensitivity of the Lord to know what Elijah needs. The angel of the Lord knows exactly what Elijah needs at this moment. And right now, Elijah doesn't need a sermon. He needs a nap. He needs to rest. And this goes on several times. Eat, sleep, rest. Your body is done. You're fried, Elijah. You need to get rest. You need to get renewed. The Lord knows what we need and when we need it. We often think that we need to stay up all day and all night until we figure out a problem that we're in. We think that that shows our dedication. Find yourself worn out and discouraged. Sometimes what we really need is a good night's sleep. If it bothers you to get a good night's sleep, I suggest you read this passage again and again. Because God let Elijah get some rest. That is the way that the Lord started healing Elijah. And then he fed him. And behold, an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones in a jar of water. Twice we're told that the, an angel of the Lord appeared and supplied him food. One quick nap and one quick meal was, wasn't enough. He needed more. Who was this angel anyway? Well, I believe it was none other than the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus himself. Just as the Lord provided for Elijah's basic needs during the drought, he would also provide for his needs during his distress. This time, there would be no brooks, no ravens, no, no jar of flour, no widow. Now the prophet would eat directly from the hand of the Lord himself. I mean, what grace? I mean, think about it. Here is a man who has run out on God, yet God has not run out on him. Instead, the Lord shows up with fresh pancakes. You get a, a glimpse of the heart of Jesus. You see him whipping out those pancakes for Elijah. At Elijah's lowest point, no finger in the face, it's pancakes in the hand. You get another glimpse of this if you fast forward to John 21. There we see the disciples who were, who were in a similar place as Elijah. <clears throat> and you can read, read that account later. John 21 in verses 1 through 14. There, um, there you see the disciples in the same place as Elijah. You remember when they, they were stunned that Jesus was going to the cross. They thought, I, I thought, I thought. I thought we were going to have a, a great military takeover. I thought we were going to do a national revival, kind of, kind of like Elijah did. But instead, Jesus went to the cross and was killed. Jezebel's having her victory. And so they scatter. Peter denies he even knows Jesus. Jesus rises, and when he appears, one of his appearances is on a beach. The disciples are there fishing. He calls them over. And what does he say to them? What does he say to them? He says, come. 
eat breakfast. He's making them fish and bread. Just come, come eat. The food truck shows up at, at a point when they feel useless. Our, our best days are over. Our dreams are crushed. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Come. Eat some food. Get some nourishment. He made them a meal. Just as Jesus later fed his wayward disciples, here he feeds his prophet. The Lord knew Elijah needed to be rested and refreshed more than he needed a lecture. So the Lord looked after the prophet's basic needs. When we are in a time of discouragement, depression, or doubt, we will find that the Lord knows just how to meet our needs too. It's very specific about the needs that we have. When he comes to us in our distress, he knows exactly what you need in that moment. And he provides exactly what you need. Often he will deal with a symptom before he deals with the problem. Why? So that he might that we might be in a position to listen more clearly. The Lord had tried to reason with Elijah when when he was exhausted and he was hungry and depressed. Nothing would have been accomplished. Elijah would have just argued with the Lord. You don't understand, Lord. I've tried. I've tried. I did this. I did that. You don't even know. You don't understand. He would have argued with him. So the Lord, Lord met him where he was dealt with his symptoms. And then he moved on to take care of his greatest need, which was the spiritual correction, the healing, and the renewal that he was needing. See, what you're dealing with right now may not be your real problem. What you're dealing with right now might not be your real problem. But the Lord will deal with you where you are so that he can get you into a position where you can hear him better. So you can hear him better. Does have a way of getting our attention sometimes, doesn't he? Doesn't he? And often he will deal with those things. He will bring those things into our life to put us into a position where we learn dependence on him. He'll, He'll meet the needs, the immediate needs, so that we're better able to listen to what he's really trying to teach us. So where does he have you right now? Take the time to rest, heal, and replenish physically. Because this is only the first step on your road to recovery. Charles Spurgeon commented on this passage. He said, the spirit needs to be fed. And the body needs feeding also. Do not forget these matters. It may seem to some people that I ought not to mention such small things as food and rest, but these may be the very first elements in really helping a poor, depressed servant of God. Now, not only did the Lord feed Elijah and allow him to rest, he, he also dealt with his emotional needs. What a blessing for us to see how the Lord spoke to this discouraged and defeated man. Teaches, teaches us that the Lord has compassion. He has compassion on the fearful, the fallen, and the foolish. 
Because Elijah was all of those. But so are we often, aren't we? Today we're only looking at God's initial response to Elijah's needs, the physical and the emotional medicine he needed. The best part is next week when, we, when, we, when he hears the still small voice of God. But notice here, God doesn't rebuke him or preach at him. That time will come next week. Before we see what he does next week, notice what he doesn't do here. He doesn't get in Elijah's face. Hey, Elijah, I did all these great miracles for you. I kept you alive with ravens and the brooks and with the widow. I sent fire and rain. What are you doing here? He doesn't do that here. He doesn't do any of that yet. For, for many that struggle with depression, those are the voices that you hear. Those are always the first voices that you hear. But I want you to know that most often, that's not from the Lord. That's from the enemy who seeks to discourage you, to lead you further and further into that pit. There will come a time where the Lord will speak those things to us. But often he deals with us much more gently. Instead, what, what does the Lord do? He moved near. He moved near. First of all, the Lord just moved near. Verse 5, Elijah lay down and slept under the broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him. That depression isolates, but comforters move near, and there's no greater comforter than the Lord. He created us, and he knows our every weakness. Now later, the, the Lord is going to ask Elijah some real good questions. They're going to help him process and work through some things. But we're not at that point yet. The Lord is simply near. Elijah experiences the incredible grace of God here. Grace is receiving something that we don't deserve. Even though Elijah had run away from God, God had not left Elijah. God was still faithful despite the failure of the man. God extends the very same grace to you, to me. Regardless of where the paths of our sin and suffering lead, we never have to fear being abandoned or forsaken by him. It can never happen, even, even when we deserve it. Because we have his promise, Hebrews 13.5, for he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But have you ever thought, Why? Why doesn't he forsake us when we forsake him? Because he can't. He can't forsake us. He can't abandon us. Why? For one thing, his spirit lives inside every child of God. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? He lives inside of each and every one of us. Every one of us who know the Lord, he, the, the Holy Spirit indwells us. He can't leave. He is part of us. We are joined together with him. He's made quite an investment in us, and he will not quit until he's done. Philippians 1.6, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He will finish what he started. Once he starts a, a work in your life, he will finish it. He will not abandon you. 
He will not give up and say, well, I tried. No point. They're never going to change. No, he will finish his work. He will never abandon you. Regardless of what we do or face in life, the love of God never wavers either. Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. He will never leave us. He will come near. It's a huge gift to someone who is walking through depression or, or difficulty to just simply have somebody there. To just have somebody there to listen. The Lord is, is there and he will always come alongside in our time of need. He heals us by pouring out his gracious presence on us. Just to feel him Grace is so complete, too. It's, it's gentle. It's merciful. It's patient. When the Lord comes to Elijah, there, there's no sermons, there's no lectures, there's no threats, no rebukes. The Lord simply touches the prophet, he meets his need, and he gently speaks to him. Verse 6 shows us the condition of Elijah's heart, though. When the Lord appears to him, there's no repentance on his part. When the angel wakes him up, Elijah doesn't say, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. I was just so upset. Please forgive me. There was none of that. There was no, no, no repentance for the past. There was, there was no gratitude for the present. There was no burden for the future. Lord, what do I do now? What do we do? They're all lost. There was none of that. Elijah is a, is a man in desperate need of a personal revival. Yet, the Lord is so gentle with this wayward man. I think too many Christians have this impression that, that God is standing over them with some sort of cosmic baseball bat. Just, just waiting for them to mess up so he can bash them in the head. It's true that God... Is a God who chastises his children sometimes. Hebrews 12, 6, for the Lord disciplines those he loves. But it's also true that God is very gentle with us. Psalm 103, 13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. He knows our weaknesses. And he deals with us more gently than we deserve. How many times have you experienced the Lord dealing gently with you? This is related to God's mercy. Even though Elijah had brought himself here, running away from God and, and God's will for his life, the Lord is still concerned about meeting the prophet's needs. doesn't rub his face in his sin. It doesn't point out how disappointed he is with Elijah right now. It doesn't tell Elijah he should have picked somebody else, someone that would have been stronger, better, more deserving. He doesn't even answer Elijah's prayer to take his life. You're right, Elijah. You ain't worth it. You blew it, buddy. He doesn't do that. He said Elijah experiences the grace of God, gentle, merciful, how many times has God 
done the same for you and me. We run from him and and his will for our lives, and yet he is still faithful. Instead of of pouring out well-deserved wrath, he is merciful, present, continues to pour out his blessings on us, continues to provide for all of our needs, even as we are running away from him. God's patience, even though Elijah's on the run in in body and heart, the Lord is so patient with him. He allowed him to run all the way to Beersheba, then to travel another day into the wilderness. Then he let him sit under that broom tree and vent his frustration. So angry, God. And then he patiently comes alongside Elijah to restore him. God is amazingly merciful and patient with us too, isn't he? Exodus 34, 6, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Merciful and gracious, patient and, and forgiving. Thank God that he is, Amen. But why? Why why is he so patient toward us? Why is he so gracious and merciful and gentle? Why does he do that? It's always in an effort to bring us, to bring us to a place of repentance. Romans 2:4, the NLT says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? That's why he does it. He's patient, kind, merciful. So that we'll turn from our sin. That we'll turn to him. All of this was so Elijah would repent and learn to look to the Lord again. God doesn't write Elijah off as a lost cause. Because God still has plans for this prophet. There is still something for Elijah to accomplish for the Lord. His job is not done yet. So the Lord prepared him. The Lord knew that there was still more to come for Elijah. It was still a job for him to finish. and His healing was not complete yet. The Lord had come and brought what was needed to heal Elijah physically and emotionally. But the most important healing was yet to come, spiritual. Elijah still needed to get his heart and his spirit right. His faith needed to be restored. He needed to regain his focus. That that was going to be a bit of a longer process. That was going to take some stronger medicine course of treatment was going to be a bit longer. As a matter of fact, it would take him 40 days and 40 nights to to even get there. We're going to look at that next week. But the Lord was preparing Elijah for, for that by first taking care of his physical and emotional needs. He needed rest and nourishment before the next phase of his recovery. 
He needed to soothe his tattered emotions. Next would come the work of spiritual renewal. Remember that even even the greatest of our heroes of faith are only human. And they they have faced times of discouragement and defeat. They have faced times of of failure and, and running from God. But God never abandoned them. Never threw the towel in on them. Praise the Lord, he doesn't on on us either. Even when we fail him, he doesn't. He continues to be faithful, to stand by us. Because he has plans for our lives and a a purpose for our futures too. Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us that. He has plans for us. For he knows the plans that he has for us. Future and a hope. He understands all of our weaknesses, our struggles. He knows that we get worn out and get discouraged physically, emotionally, and and spiritually. And he knows how to meet us right where we are. He knows what we need to be healed and restored. He brings us the medicine that is necessary. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 29 Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He knows exactly what we need. He knows when we need it. And in him we can find that rest. Hebrews 4.16 says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. There we can experience his amazing grace, gentle, gentle, merciful, patient, as he prepares us for, for what's in store for us for our future, and for His glory. No matter where you are, no matter what you are going through, no matter what difficulty, no matter what distress, discouragement you are facing, the Lord knows. He knows exactly where you are. But He also knows exactly what you need. And he will meet those needs. He will meet those needs. He will take care of the physical needs. He will take care of the emotional needs. He will take care of those things often first to prepare you, to get you ready for the work that's ahead so that you take take your eyes off of those problems. He will heal us physically provide the rest and the nourishment that we need so that we're in a better place to listen to what really needs to happen. Amen? So what is the Lord taking you through right now? Where are you? Allow Him to meet those needs. Get the rest that he's offering you right now. 
take the nourishment because he is preparing you for something greater. He is preparing you for the real work of spiritual healing and renewal for the future that he has in store for you. He's going to use you in a way that you can't even imagine. He is going to restore you so that you are equipped and able to accomplish mighty things for his kingdom. God took a man, a nobody, from nowhere, used him in a profound and mighty way, in spite of his failings, in spite of his struggles. God used him, restored him to use him again. God will do the same for you, for me. Amen? Pray. Father God, we come before you again. Father, many of us are, are like Elijah. We're reminded that that he was a man with a nature like ours, that, that he struggled with the same things that, that we do. Father, just as Elijah became discouraged and depressed and ran from you, Father, we, we can often do the same thing. When you don't operate the way we expect, or the way that we want, Father, we can... We can become discouraged. We can be shaken. And Father, we can become depressed. We can take our eyes off of you and put them on ourselves. Father, I pray that you would help us to learn from the example of Elijah. Father, you know exactly how we're made. You know every weakness that we have. You know that we get worn out and, and discouraged. Father, you are able to meet every need that we have, that you will restore us physically, that you will heal our bodies. Father, that you will heal our spirit, our emotions. Father, I pray that if anyone here finds themselves the same place as Elijah, Father, that you would just you would come near, that they would feel your presence, Father that you would just minister to whatever need they have specifically, Father, that you would meet them exactly where they are. Father, that you would prepare them for the work that you have ahead for them. Father, that you would use them in a mighty way for your kingdom and for your glory. Father, we pray that you would do this through the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling us Give you praise for this in the name of Jesus. Amen.